2: Hello, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Elena Santigade, and listeners, this is our 400th episode of Cutting the Curd. I'm excited to be co-hosting the show today with longtime Cutting the Curd book review host, Diane Stemple. Hello. And we have a special guest with us here in the studio. Our guest today really needs no introduction, so I'll keep this brief. The mystery guest is the owner of one of New York City's cheese shop institutions. She is a true artisan cheese pioneer, perhaps most known for bringing high quality American made cheeses to New York City chefs and revolutionizing the New York restaurant cheese board with local options. She was also the original groundbreaking host of this very podcast, our beloved Cutting the Curd. Woo. Anne Saxelby, welcome back to Cutting the Curd. Oh, thanks, guys! So excited <laughs> to be here.
3: You're very welcome. <laughs> yes, this is 400 such
2: a treat. shows.
4: That's so That's crazy. Nuts! Yeah. And I
2: believe you hosted. I was trying to count, uh, and I don't have an official count, but I think you hosted something like 175 or almost 200 shows, something like that. Yeah. Wow, it was a long wow. time. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> so. And also, Heritage Radio Network is celebrating our 10th anniversary, and Cutting the curd was one of the founding shows of the radio network, I believe also.
3: Did Patrick
2: talk you into it right away?
4: Yeah. I mean, that's like, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of how we met, which is so funny. So I had originally come out to Roberta's to be on Zach Palaccio and Jory MD's show, which uh-huh. was called Urban Foragers. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. And um, so it was me and Ronnie Sue uh, from Ronnie Sue's Chocolates oh, yeah. in the Essex Market. And it was like ladies of the Essex Market. <laughs> I think they were really like hurting for material. They're like, but, we need guests. Yeah. <laughs> so we came out here and I was just like, what is this place? And then Patrick happened to come by after the show, and I had never met him before, but I had heard his name a lot because of slow food and mm-hmm. the, the radio, etc. and he said, oh, well, we really want to have a cheese show on the network, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, right, I was like, no way I have time for that, and like, you know, what is this crazy pizza place I'm standing in, but I'm very bad at saying no to things, so I said, <laughs> hmm. I said, well, okay, maybe, you know, let's talk about it, and so, you know, we went out for a beer and talked about it, and then, you know, now, what Now they're married. Now Ten you're married. Later, we have three kids, and <laughs> you know, and cutting the cord is still on the on the air, which is so awesome. Wow. So you started the
3: show before you started going out.
4: Kind of was like the same time, uh huh. Yeah,
2: well, it's a convenient date, you know. He knows she's gonna be here recording the show, maybe show up, say hello.
4: And to woo me in the early days, he would always we didn't have a theme song, so mm-hmm. he'd always pick a different like sports theme song to play as the intro. So one week it was like Monday Night Football, oh and like the next week it was like the Olympic theme song. And did that it was, get you? Yeah, I was just like, Who is Were this? Were you baffled? By it? Yeah, I was like baffled and amused and just kind of like. Like, this is totally ridiculous. So. so,
2: what were the early days like when you were recording the show? So, you, you're kind of jumped into it. You think, I'll try it out.
3: This, How many shows were there at first?
4: Yeah. At first, I can't remember. There might have been like 10 or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. at 8, 10. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was really excited about it from the get go because, I mean, there's just so many interesting people to talk to. I remember mm. my first guest was this guy, Bill Stligson who I... That's a tricky name. It was a tricky name, and he is from Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. he and I were co-judges at the ACS mm-hmm. that year, which uh-huh. was uh, my only year judging, and um, I was just so impressed by him, because he had kind of grown up in, um, you know, as a cheesemaker in Wisconsin, and wound up being a cheese grater, but he was really, he was, when he was on the show, I, I don't know what his age was, but he was probably in his, like, early 70s, I want to mm-hmm. estimate, mm-hmm. and so his career in the cheese world had really, like, spanned so many generations. You know, right. and his family had grown up in the dairy business, mm-hmm. and so he remembered, like, the Rural Electrification Act wow. that really changed <laughs> cheesemaking in Whoa. Wisconsin. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. That Whoa. is a, a, a history that you'd want to record. Yeah. I never sure. even heard of the Rural Electric
3: electrification act
4: yeah it was well, like you can a... imagine what it did exactly <laughs> right. it changed yeah. cheese making yeah. it was wasn't yeah. fire yeah. anymore it was you know electricity yeah. very interesting
2: <laughs> so how did you plan those early shows so you had you 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 wanted to interview a lot of people there was a lot to do what did how did you get your mind around
4: planning for the show oh my god i like totally didn't <laughs> i was just like you know i was did you have help no, I didn't have help um, oh. back in the early days. So it was she just She was like, running
3: a cheese store. You'd already opened the op- warehouse? Opened
4: the warehouse, I think. No, 2009. Yeah. So it wasn't even yet. Yeah. We okay. didn't open the warehouse until okay. t- 2011. So okay. I was like coming over here. Oh, so you, know, you only had one store? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. good. Um, but, you know, it's like, you know, being a business owner, you like wear all the hats anyway. So it's probably right. in the midst of like ordering cheese or talking to customers, <laughs> you know, like right. find a guest. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like kind of bike over here and think about what well, I wanted a to customer say. customer could be a guest. And customers were guests. Yeah, so I remember I had yeah. this guy Patrick on. I, I did a little series about um, cheese and the arts. And so we did one oh, about yeah. painting because I have a, a fine art background. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about like cheese and you know, Dutch still lives and things like that. We had an art history professor on and, and then we did, um, Patrick, my customer from the Essex market, he was a theater person and he's Irish. So we talked about James Joyce and cheese, like cheese figures, like in some kind of really graphic, you know, descriptions of food and, um, Ulysses and this and that. So I don't know. We, yeah, all kinds of crazy things.
2: (laughs) You mentioned that you would think about your, the show, you'd like prepare for the show on the bike ride over. I love that as like a, a mental space to be like, okay, wait, what am I doing? How do I change gears from all this stuff I'm working on in the shop and then go ask a bunch of questions of someone?
4: Totally. Did yeah, it the, work? Biking How much is like, prep did you do? You know, not not too much. Maybe like a half hour of prep <laughs> beforehand. I mean, you mm-hmm. guys are pros. I was just kind of <laughs> winging it. I'd come in here and just like, you know, hope to, you know, chat with people and have an interesting conversation. Did you imagine it would last 10 years? I, I mean... I'm really impressed to see. <laughs> Did
3: Patrick imagine it would last? Heritage Radio would last ten years.
4: I think so. I think Patrick is like mm. he's like a movement guy, you uh, know. He's always, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, he's always thinking about like kind of you know the his future. his legacy and the future and what is going to happen to an organization. Um, I think that probably came from working with Carla Petrini and kind of seeing how slow food has you know, Mm -hmm. grown over the years and how important that mission is. So, Mm -hmm. um, but to think that cutting the curd is now 10 years in is so cool. (laughs) And to like, think of all the people who've listened in over the years or been on the show or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really special.
2: Do you have any episodes that like thinking back on, especially the early days, any, any memorable moments, good or bad? You're right.
3: I, I want to know what were your favorite shows and what were your biggest challenges?
4: Oh my gosh. Um, that's a really good well, question. having me
3: on was one of your favorites. That's, of course. That's always
4: a challenge, <laughs> I'd yeah. <would> say. No. I <laughs> no, was great. And you still are, Diane. No, You're so good. Um, I'm really happy we had um I got to have Daphne Zeppos on the show. Mm. Um, oh, nice. I love that which episode. was super special. Yeah. Um so that was probably one of my favorite episodes. Um, As far as challenging ones, I remember being on the phone with a few people who are just really quiet, Mm. you know, and like...
2: (laughs) Oh, did you do phone interviews also? I did a lot of phone interviews, Uh, yeah, just because it's hard to find
4: a lot of people locally, Especially with the cheesemakers. Like, for
2: me, I think of those early years, especially as this, like, almost encyclopedia of American cheesemaking at that time. Like, there aren't a lot of accounts from the cheesemakers that you spoke with in those early years. Mm -hmm. So they're they're far away.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they're very busy. So, you know, it's like right.
3: it, it was uh to, for them to give you a half hour was all the all they could
4: offer. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So,
2: what did you it sounds like you didn't have a whole lot of expectations going into it. Were there elements of hosting the show that surprised you in terms of things that you enjoyed about it, or things that felt more
4: stressful? Or well, I always felt stressed out because I was always underprepared. You know, so <laughs> I was just like, "Oh my God, here well, we you go didn't again." Sound like, it. yeah, you didn't. You sound didn't Nobody sound knew because
3: you're so relaxed. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I guess, I guess that's good. I, if I could fool everybody, but no, I was definitely always stressed out about like coming up with, uh, you know, with enough content and mm-hmm. doing justice to the guests because, you know, of course, you want to ask people like good questions right. and right. have a relevant conversation and not just uh, and not just be like chatting, you know, amongst the two of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that was most rewarding was probably just how the show encouraged me to keep learning. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in cheese, you know, it's like the more you know, you more the more you don't know. And I mean, whatever, I'm 16 years into selling cheese now. I mean, Diane and I met behind the cheese counter at Murray's in 2003. Yeah. And um, thinking about like, you know, just all of the things that you have to learn if you have to come up with, you know, with more ideas and more shows to talk about and more people to talk to. Mm -hmm. And I think that was nice, too, just staying connected to the kind of cheese community at large. Yeah. It was a really great way. To stay connected and kind of know what was going on mm-hmm.
2: at some point, Sophie Schlesinger joined you as a producer, and sometimes she would co-host shows with you, right?
4: Yes, Sophie yeah. um, and I met I can't remember what year it was um, she started she started off as like an intern mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. Saxelby Cheese and then um, she's just such an awesome person and she was so organized and so detail oriented and um, and so fun to work with that we uh, worked together um, in a more formal way and she she worked with us I think for about t- t- three years yeah. probably yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, and then she really took ownership of kind of producing the show and getting in touch with the guests and mm-hmm. um, and and then once Sophie became involved then things kind of became a little bit more. Organized. Uh, organized, yes. <laughs> definitely. Oh, yeah, Sophie is so awesome. Um, and so she really kind of took the show to the next level. And then I feel like, you know, um, then when I had my son Max, that's mm-hmm. when I kind of decided I had to take a little break. And Now, what
3: year did you have Max?
4: In 2012.
3: Is that when I started?
4: And that's when you started.
3: Because I approached you at a party here at Roberta's, and you hadn't yet thought. Of maternity leave for, I know. for the show. <laughs> Classic and business owner. I just owner. got this bee in my bonnet saying, "Oh, I'll I'll take over the show for you." And you like looked at me like, "Oh, that's a good idea."
4: Totally. <laughs> and uh, yeah, otherwise I was probably like, "How can I like breastfeed in the studio <laughs> with like crying baby?" Which I'm sure I probably did once you or well, twice. You didn't know, you know
3: what a crying baby was like then
4: exactly Yeah. now yeah. I know all <laughs> too well no <laughs> um, but yeah then you then you guys stepped in and then Greg mm-hmm. Blaze mm-hmm. um, hosted for a little while and he was super super great too yeah. and mm-hmm. brought a whole other experience to the show because his experience in the cheese world is so rich and yes. he's like an old school guy yeah. and there many, many stories people, yeah who kind of came up um, during those years that he did and kind of seeing mm-hmm. things from going like the wild wild west of kind of people being able to import whatever they wanted and the early days of Dean and DeLuca and um and uh not Balducci's there was another one on sixth avenue um that was like smaller we're gonna I'm gonna
2: blank on it it's like on the
4: tip of my tongue
2: this is gonna come to me well Mm -hmm. it'll it'll
4: come but he worked there too and Mm -hmm. so it was just like he saw all these like you know awesome like raw milk crazy Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. cheeses that would all be like contraband today like up until now but he was still able to like maintain certain connections through the years and like he had his buddies who could get stuff to him so (laughs) yeah it was a he had a and he was a journalism major too Mm -hmm. so I feel like the show has been like a great platform for a lot of different people over the years to kind of you know get in here and you know Use their their expertise and also educate tons of people in the process, which is so cool. Right.
2: So you left so you decided to take a step back when Max was born. And was that when you were That was only
3: two, three months.
4: Right. Right. And then you came back And then I kind of decided, oh my God, you you Uh, had a lot going on. Yeah, and that's when, yeah, Diane and I and Greg talked about then kind of, um, you know, making the shift exactly. Uh And I
3: started doing the books because Uh I needed to stay with the show, and I knew Anne couldn't read books (laughs) 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 with two children by then, you know, and and a cheese shop. Mm -hmm. So I figured, oh, I'll read the books. You read the books.
4: That's awesome. It Worked out, yeah,
2: totally. Wow. So then, when you were when you had a little di- little distance from the show, how did you relate to it? Would you feel weird on Mondays, or I guess it may not have always been on Mondays. I am realizing. But
4: I think no, it was it always, always was. on Mondays. It always was. Yes.
2: Okay. Um, did it was it an adjustment not doing the show for a while, or
4: you know, I am maybe I am kind of a weirdo about stuff like this. But then once I am like done doing something, I was just kind of like okay. Yeah. Like I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And there's always something there to fill that mm. time, you know? So mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. if anything, I was probably just happy to get home a little earlier for the kids, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And then just be like, "Oh, okay." You know. Totally. Yeah.
2: Um, well, actually, it's time for a quick break. So let's jump into it. Okay. Um, we'll be back in a moment for more cheese industry reflections with the original Cutting the Curd host, Anne Saxelby. <laughs>
1: with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberto's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberto's at robertospizza.com.
0: Join Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe. Taste and imbibe to your heart's content. And bid on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. Tickets available now at heritageradionetwork.org/gala.
2: Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Elena Santigade, and I'm here with Diane Stemple and Ann Saxelby. So since we're doing this milestone-focused show today, I thought it would also be fun to talk about your professional experience, Anne, and how things have gone for you in this past decade, sort of even separate from the show, and, and also think about some of your ideas and thoughts on the cheese industry of the future. Um, so Saks will be cheesemongers, starting with the shop. You actually recently had a huge shift from east side to west side, you were yes. originally located in Essex Market, which uh, had a long, drawn-out process of changing locations, ultimately. Um, and then, alongside that, you ended up moving to Chelsea Market on the west side. And so, how how has that shift been for your business? I mean, you were such a sort of east side, Essex Market's mainstay. We actually just walking into the studio ran into somebody who knew Anne from the, from the Essex market. How has it been being in a new location after all this time?
4: It's been it's been good. It's been really interesting. I mean the Chelsea market and the Essex market couldn't be more different. Mm, you know, the yeah. Essex market was a really and you know, since it's moved, it's like a little less gritty, you right. know, but oh, it's way a, less gritty. I
3: just went there. It's very last shiny weekend. now.
4: Yeah, it's very shiny, very new, um, but still, you know, by and large, the same collection of mm-hmm. kind of, you know, quirky like mom and pop vendors. Mm-hmm. Um but the Chelsea market is just a real um, you know, it's it's a real tourist destination. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of people going through there all the it's time. Packed. It's, it's so packed. Yeah. It's almost like a problem how packed it is. For cheese? People come downstairs for cheese. I feel like they need to do like a like a neighborhood like public service announcement to tell people all the secret ways into the Chelsea Market because there mm. are like millions of them. It's uh, really interesting. Interesting on fifteenth and sixteenth Street. If you're ever in the neighborhood, there are all these little doors that you can go in. I've and gone then... out one of those and I've been like, "Where am I? I'm outside and I don't realize where." Exactly. Yeah, there are so many like that. So they're going to kind of create a dedicated staircase on fifteenth Street oh, that nice. will bring people right downstairs to the grocery oh, area, good. which I think is. Good, um, but um, no, it's been really fun, and it's like you know, our the, the store at the Chelsea Market is bigger, um, it's 350 square feet as opposed to Whoa, 100 wow. square it's feet. Huge. <laughs> this yeah, is a it's massive, 300 so 300% increase. Yeah, store. yeah, the <laughs> now, Market how often store was do so You tiny. go
3: there versus the warehouse.
4: I'm usually at the warehouse these mm-hmm, days, I usually mm-hmm. go to Chelsea, um, at least once a week to kind of check in with mm-hmm. uh, with Jill, who's our manager over mm-hmm. at the shop. Um, mm-hmm. she's really awesome. And just kind of see how everything is going. Um, but uh, then otherwise, I'm at the warehouse or I'm visiting chefs mm. or, you know, planning like mail order stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do, always I'm do still too many things. Still wearing many hats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> now, how, what percent do you now have of European cheese versus American cheese?
4: Well, at the shop, we still sell 100% American cheese. Um, no and Parmesan? Well, that's true. Ninety-nine point, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Parmesan and Pecorino Romano, we okay. sell at the shop. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, it's funny. There's still no domestic no. equivalent to those cheeses. It's just like not that's true. It's you not can't happening. Do it. um, and then we carry it for wholesale. We have a small selection of French cheese from Herve Mons, who who okay. um, you know was one of my one of my mentors, and mm. um, it's just. Mm. Basically, does what we do, but in France, you know, they work Mm -hmm. with a collection of, you know, of of farmers who make these cheeses, and Mm -hmm. then um, they sell them uh, to us. I didn't know if it had increased in the. No, no, No? we're kind of keeping the scope similar, and the and the American stuff is still all from um, east of the Mississippi. Mm Oh, okay. Which, uh, you know, it's it's kind of started off as like no cowgirls, no Rogue River, which is such a bummer because they just (laughs) especially right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh Uh, but all those cheeses are so great. But I feel like it's it's as far away as Europe. Yeah, you know yeah, that's true. It's
2: a really true. good point.
4: Yeah. So I don't know. We might go there one day. I'm not mm-hmm. totally say, you know writing it off. But um, but yeah, for now it's still it's still uh, East Coast East, mm-hmm. East Coast ish. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so. How has your role at Saxelby? cheesemongers changed over time like is there are there it sounds like you're still doing a lot of different things but is there are there certain areas that you make sure that you're still involved in because you love them or certain areas you're sort of happy for somebody else to do after (laughs) so much time
4: (laughs) oh man I don't know I feel like um I'm a, I'm, I was, I was not like an inherently good manager. (laughs) So it was like a tough transition to go from like just being the sole employee in the store who was there, you know, six days a week, 11 hours a day to then kind of having a a team. Our team is still small. I think we've Mm -hmm. got like 10 people. Yeah. Um, small team, but, uh, but so kind of learning how to, I don't know. Be a little bit better manager and pass along mm. the knowledge, um, you know, that I've gotten about certain producers or certain products, or creating systems so other people um, have access to all the right information. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been that's been. I, I think how the role has changed because it's like I still want everybody to you know, to know all the things about the cheesemakers. Right. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, that's what counts the most. It's like we mm-hmm. want to be the bridge between the farm and the people loving the cheese, and so in order for right. that to happen, everyone who works with us has to know mm. as much as they can mm-hmm. about it. Um, luckily, you know, uh, we've got a bunch of, like, you know, nerds, and I cheese think that they would appreciate, you know, <laughs> I mean that only as the highest compliment, but um, we have a bunch of cheese nerds working with us, and so everybody's, like, hungry for that really <laughs> into it. info, for the knowledge. too, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, Yeah.
2: Um, you also have a pretty robust website and like way of dispelling information online. I feel like your site was one of the first ones that had the library of cheese sort of selections on there and has a sort of a, a it's a great resource for just checking out different facts and stuff on the cheeses. Was that something that you did or was it a collective effort?
4: That's basically been me Mm -hmm. over the, you know, it's like started off with these cheese descriptions, like in a Google doc, whatever, how many years Mm -hmm. ago we just like keep adding to it, adding to it, adding to it every time we brought on something new until now it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's quite a lot of different kinds of cheese. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) so yeah, I still really enjoy like doing the, you know, a lot of the writing, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and kind of, you know, to just try again. It's like all about education at the end of the day. Yeah. it's like that's mm-hmm. why I got into it. I wanted Telling to that like story. get people excited about all these local cheeses, and so however we can get the information out there and make it easier for people to get that. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a. And the, do the, the cheesemakers
3: makers come to you,
4: or do you have to seek them out? It's kind of it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I have over the years we've had more people kind of you know coming to us. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as more people have gotten started in the in the industry and, and you know have been starting mm-hmm. cheese making and starting farms. Um, but then occasionally we'll hear about people and, and want to you know, Get in touch with them. For example, mm-hmm. there's a little farm up in northern Vermont called Barn First Creamery, mm-hmm. um, and they were customers of ours at the Essex Market. Oh wow! And um, customers, and, they bought like cheese. they lived. They in lived in New York, in New York on the East side.
3: Yeah, and um, and they the, went to Vermont to make cheese.
4: Yes, they moved to Westfield, Vermont. I mm-hmm. mean, it's totally bonkers. So the mm-hmm. couple, their names are Merlin and Rebecca. And Rebecca was from New Jersey, but Merlin was originally from Westfield, Vermont, the same ah. town that Lazy Lady yeah, is Yeah, I was
2: going to say, oh, there's cool. another cheesemaker that exactly is in Westfield, Vermont.
4: and laney from lazy lady farm was actually she used to castrate pigs for merlin's dad wow and was like a sometime a lumberjack world. oh my god laney is like is such an incredible I woman i did not know i knew that she
2: had many talents but i did not know that she castrated pigs
4: there's nothing that she can't do as far as i'm concerned um and so, anyways, they moved up there and started a farm. And I forget how, like, I, how I learned that. But then, like, that was an example of, like, somebody mm-hmm. that I stalked where I was like, yeah. I can't believe you guys did that. Like, I want to buy your cheese. What's going on? Totally. Yeah. It might have been even been Laney who told me that she was trying ah, to make cheese. That's so wild. So, yeah. And is it good? It's very kind? good. Um, they're doing goat cheese. Oh, cool. Yeah, Lainey Laney gave them in quotation marks, slash was kind of like, Here, so take these goats. I don't want to <laughs> oh! call them, they're part of my family, <laughs> but they're not productive for me anymore, productive enough for me anymore, so I'm um, giving them to you. Oh, crazy. And then, as, as it happens with goats, two becomes four, becomes ten, becomes like sixty, <laughs> you know, before you know it. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so they're great, but yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of great new cheesemakers around. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. How do
2: you find you, how do you find out about new cheesemakers? What, what do you think is the, is there a way, is there sort of a channel that you plug into in terms of people you talk to or ways that you keep an eye out for new products or new cheesemakers to work with?
4: Um, I feel some people, some people get in touch with us. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's ACS, which is always great, mm. you know, mm-hmm. for kind of uh, right. learning about new cheesemakers. Yeah. Um, so going to the conference every year is, is fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can kind of see what's new there. Also, the cheesemakers themselves. I feel like the mm. cheese world is still so kind of open and everyone mm-hmm. wants to kind of promote each other. Mm. So um, if somebody is doing something good, you know, right. um, they'll get the word out. Also, sometimes our customers who go up upstate, if mm-hmm. we've um, oh, yeah. got retail who customers like right. who... Have a house upstate or something. If they like to go to certain areas, they'll Mm -hmm. be like, oh, you should try the cheese from this, side of the other farm.
3: Now, are you still one of the only American cheesemaker
4: stores? I believe so. I mean, there are Ann and Beechers. Beechers. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I think... Those are the only two in the city, for sure. Everybody Uh else has kind of like a mix. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah.
3: So it uh, was so unique when you started it.
4: Yes. You know, it was like wild. It's like, whoa. A, a wild How idea. could you have. And now um, there's so many more American cheesemakers. I know. Well, and, and so many more places to buy it, which, mm. is, yeah. which is great. You know, I was thinking yeah. about um, one of the things that I think has changed the most in the last 10 years is just is the retail landscape mm. in general, you mm. know. Mm not only are there more of the big stores, like there's more Whole Foods in New York, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, Wegmans yeah, just opened. Yeah, now we have our Wegmans in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, right. which is super cool. I haven't been there yet, but I really yeah. want to check it out. I went last you Friday. You did? Okay, yeah. quick your Before quick they opened. No, 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 they opened. Oh, they opened, they oh, they opened. opened on the okay. 27th. Yes, oh, right, yes. Right, right. Yeah. Uh,
3: I bought Snowmas, the one what? from Murray's, oh. yeah. and I bought uh let's see what
2: did you think of the store experience oh,
3: amazing why amazing. um well i have to go back because it <laughs> was the... a little overwhelming okay you know interesting and i ha- i used a cart but i parked far away mm-hmm. so i knew i couldn't buy that much stuff
4: mm.
3: and i was in a buying mode but <laughs> i couldn't buy
4: that much stuff. but you couldn't take your cart out of the store to your car were you like no, out of the I perimeter was, you I parked was 4
3: blocks away oh, because I, see. I didn't I couldn't find online that they had that they had parking there. Oh mm. okay. it was all paid parking which I wouldn't do.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Any self-respecting New Yorker would not. Yeah. Good for you, Diane. So
3: I parked far away, so I had to walk, which was a wonderful day. But I had to walk, so and this then limited realized, your shopping. Yes, potential. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I
2: could buy cheese
3: though, because okay. it's not that heavy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's so true that, that, that there are these enormous stores. And then there's outside of New York, you also have like Aldi, where people shop a ton. That's a big chain, oh, and the Kroger's an Aldi growth. Aldi on. Mm-hmm. Um, in On New my York way city? home. Yeah, but
4: not in the city, is no, it? No,
2: no, it's in Queens.
4: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then and then there's been other like a proliferation of small specialty mm-hmm. cheese shops too mm-hmm. in the last like ten years or so. I was mm-hmm. thinking even just in in Brooklyn. I mean, there's um you know the Brooklyn Larder and there's That's Stinky true. Brooklyn Campbells. and Campbell's mm-hmm. and Foster Sundry mm-hmm. and um and all these great smaller shops. Um and yes. also in Other places throughout the country, like in um, Connecticut, there's Fairfield and Darien, Mm. in addition to Darien Cheese and Fine Foods, which has been around forever, Mm, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, the Cheese Shop of Des Moines and Antonelli's and Austin. And I feel like Mm -hmm. throughout the country, there have just been like, there's just this little explosion of like specialty cheese shops. And then along with that, it's kind of like, is it enough to be just a cheese shop? Because Mm. then you've seen some of those cheese shops Shift gears yeah. and kind of become prepared. Food shops, foods, right, coffee, right, right. these yeah. other
2: segments right. of the like specialty world, and meat,
4: and meat, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. sandwiches, yeah.
2: catering, mm-hmm. this and that. So, but you've kind of resisted that, you know. You you make do you do a sandwich in the we shop? Do you do sandwiches, sandwiches, yeah. Um, but do you feel the pressure to add like other categories, especially now that you're in a bigger, slightly bigger
4: space? Slightly bigger. <laughs> um, well, we've expanded. Uh, we do like beer and cider now mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. Chelsea Market, which mm-hmm. has been good because it's like kind of complementary. You yeah. do American beer and American cider. Makes okay. total sense. Um, which is fun. But yeah, you can see why people do it because mm. it is, you know, it is hard to just you know sell cheese and mm-hmm. and and have people come to you just for that. But I think. I don't know. I like all of my retail heroes are like just kind of like crusty and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like who are your <laughs> retail heroes? Oh, you know, like Lou DiPaolo oh, and yeah. Charlie Sahadi uh-huh. and, um, you know, like, Nikki Russ Fetterman from mm-hmm. Russ and Daughters mm-hmm. and, you know, all There's these like, like really old school Who New just York keep shops. doing that same thing. They like yeah, struggled and, and just stuck with it. Ken from Dairy and Cheese and Fine Foods, mm-hmm. like he, mm-hmm. they're in his wife, Tori. It, yeah it's like you just like if the quality is there people right. mm-hmm. will come back right mm-hmm. and so that's what i'm trying to stick with it's like you don't <laughs> want to deviate too far from the mission because yeah. you can kind of get lost in it i
2: mm-hmm. think it's such a good point because i do think one of the things i'm watching out for when i like look at the cheese landscape is like how many cheese shops have are are shifting away from cheese how many of those smaller independent shops feel that they can't subsist on cheese instead Mm -hmm. of doubling down on cheese and kind of like really going big with it and doing more cheese and more Mm -hmm. cheese education. Mm -hmm. It does seem like the knee jerk seems to be to shift away. Yeah. Is there anything that in that sort of same spirit, is there anything that you're looking for as a business owner when you're kind of like trying to predict, you know, the health of the industry, the health of your own business? Like, What are you watching out for in terms of news in the cheese world?
4: Oh, gosh. Well, I think... And f- as far as like retail goes, I think it's just like a weird moment for retail in general, just mm-hmm. with all of the Amazon, Amazon. Yeah. yeah the Amazonification <laughs> of everything. Right. I just right. want to like write a manifesto and like yeah. tell people, be like, do you like your community? Right. Then shop in your community because right. otherwise it's not going to be there. Right. Um, mm, right. And, you know, I feel uh. like. It's, I just, I mean, full disclosure, I just ordered food for my kids on Uber Eats when we were during the break because I, you we know, weren't sometimes I just have no time. It's okay. I'm totally fessing <laughs> up. I did it. Um, well, we didn't and, tell them from where.
2: That's beside the point. <laughs> yes, yes,
4: But yes. moving on. Well, yeah, we don't that's need true. to. That's right, true. That's right. true. But so I, it's like, yeah, I do that sometimes. I. I but I don't shop on Amazon. Mm, right. I've made a point okay. that I, I don't shop on Amazon. I don't either. And um, anyways, I just feel like that's kind of the biggest existential threat because people's time is their most valuable commodity. And so it's like, how does everyone spend their time? And everybody has less time, it would seem, to kind of do their food shopping or... You know, it's all that has been replaced by mm-hmm. something else. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: Yeah, what has it been replaced by? Facebook or by? Instagram yeah. or email. I, worry, or, I do think it's been replaced right. by things that are less nourishing than time spent shopping at a local retailer and connecting with a human And having being. a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. Oh, my gosh, right.
4: having to wait in line for a second and be a little annoyed about right. it, but and then the, realize but then maybe it's like not chatting, the end of the day. And then maybe
2: you chat with somebody while you're in line or exactly. you get involved in right. something. I do... I Sometimes I force myself, even if I'm just on the subway, I'm like, I'm just going to sit here Unplug. and look at people. -hmm. And see what I see, you know, because you can miss some really good stuff. stuff.
4: Exactly, right. Right. Especially in the city. Yeah, you know, it's like oh yeah, there's so much good stuff.
2: Today (laughs) on my way here, I saw a family all wearing matching flannels, and they were like such a unit. Well, it was sort of like a greenish blue, but Uh, like I mean, a four like this was four different people wearing the Uh, matching flannels. That's awesome. I know. I, mean, I once, tourists. I wonder. They seemed, you know, I was like, okay, how much are they falling on the subway? You know, as the subway starts yeah, and right. stops, you can tell. <laughs> right. Do they anticipate the movement of the train? Uh-huh. And they
4: were anticipating it pretty uh, well. Okay. So I thought maybe they're not oh. tourists. Okay. So another so another retail hero who I forgot to mention um, who has uh, he passed away last year which was really sad but um, Kenny Shopsin mm, who's the owner your, of Shopsin your former neighbor in my former neighbor in the Essex Market
2: okay tell for our listeners who don't know about Kenny how do we how do we briefly describe, describe, him.
4: describe him Oh my gosh. well his Ken- store. Yeah, Kenny. So he Kenny had a store in the West Village that turned into a restaurant, um, and he basically raised his five kids there um, with his neighborhood. Because their original store was on Morton and Grove, Mm -hmm. and Morton Street was like their world, Mm. and um, and. And he just kept talk about doubling down on what you do. yeah, oh my goodness. It he dug like his heels in doubling like a he lunatic doubled down. He yeah, had a very big menu. His menu was huge. yeah, the menu was set in like you know seven point type. The menu was huge. <laughs> he was just like, you know, a, a kind of armchair philosopher mm-hmm. and you know, but his customers were his family and vice versa. And so if you kind of um you know, broke one of uh kind of the many unwritten rules of the Mm. restaurant, you'd be unceremoniously like thrown out on your butt. (laughs) Yeah.
2: My mom once went with a friend who was close with Kenny, a regular, also a regular at Ann's shop. With Aaron. With Aaron Palace. Old family friend. Hi Aaron. Yeah. Um and I think she just started, like, doing a lot of swearing to, like, fit in. And apparently that really worked well with Kenny. My mom <laughs> oh, was just, good. like, yeah, swearing the more- and, like, mucking it up, you know? Yeah, more- <laughs> she
4: was just freaked out about getting kicked out. But I think she just thought, I'm going for it. The more foul mouth, you know, the better. But... um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but
2: he's I, one of your retailer heroes.
4: Yeah, yeah, and and just talking about Amazon and like, you know, the mm-hmm. devolving of kind of the sense of community, um, you know, that that really like embodied that sense of community to me, mm-hmm. you know, Japsons. Yeah. Um yeah. And Even
2: the line outside—I mean, it was cool because if you were waiting for Shop Sends, you were right outside Saxoby, and that little scene right there was sometimes really funny.
4: Totally, yeah. we'd like give give and cheese a few curds to the people. unsuspecting. Yeah. yeah, to people who are like crying children in the line yeah. for <laughs> give everybody some cheese curds. So, so what mm. do you think
2: can be done to preserve it, or should we think differently about the Change. future?
4: Yeah, mm. I don't know. I wonder if New York will go through another period where like rent gets really low mm. because right now there are a lot of empty storefronts. Yes. Yeah, that's that's true. You know, mm-hmm. that's I, kind of my dream. Yeah. That's, that that commercial like rent. If rent is cheap, then people will open businesses and it mm-hmm. seems like people are craving that community. Like yes. I was talking to someone about this, um, you know, and, and places that are retail places, but that are also community places mm-hmm. like books are magic on mm-hmm. smith street yes or a perfect example they're yeah. kind of like these like knitting or sewing places yeah. that are kind of um community places where you can go and buy something but you could also go and like Hang read out. a book or right. get advice on your knitting project right. or whatever mm-hmm. and people are really like seeking those places mm-hmm. out yeah. um and so i feel like in I real feel life like there yeah i feel mm-hmm. like there's i don't know it's mm. almost like a shift of like okay you have to have like great products Mm -hmm. and you have to have a well curated selection but Mm -hmm. you also have to have a reason for people to go there Mm. and a reason for and and, and kind of you know have that sense of community and like why are people Mm -hmm. coming to you why are they hanging out right give them more of a reason to right you know I like it so I don't know I'll be happy to see rents go down
2: I think that's great
3: I think there was an article in the real estate section Sunday about rents falling on two bedrooms
2: oh Now we're talking residential. Well, this is a whole other show. (laughs) Yeah, totally. All right. Well, I can't believe it, but we're getting close to the end of the episode. Any final questions for Anne, Diane?
3: Well, I had my paranoid question about (laughs) what's going to happen. Uh, I've read about meat and cheese being paired as environmentally incorrect.
4: Yes. Hmm. Now, so, what's not your actual
3: question? Not artisanal cheese. You're
2: saying big dairy is getting lumped in with big meat. ag and big yeah, meat yeah, yeah. as an environmental hazard, hazard yeah, in this yeah. climate, yeah. you know, At, conscious. Well, there have
3: been around. a lot of um, non meat burger articles. Oh yes, the Beyond yeah, Burger and yeah, Impossible yeah, 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 Burger.
4: Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's a it's a big deal. Do your and customers? put yeah.
3: in the same category
4: it's sort of because in.
3: it's come it comes from cows. It's true? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, with anything else with anything else in agriculture, it's like if you put back what you take out, mm. and you kind of can only get to a certain size. Right. right. With cows, it's putting poop back in on the field, that right? Is and the, not collecting poop it. in right. places where then it's going to turn into noxious gas that you right. know leaches right. out into it the is atmosphere. It is the poop that is the problem. The poop yeah. is the problem. Yeah. And so, if you're pasturing your animals and right. you have an operation like Uplands Cheese or you know, etc. Where your animals are out in pasture, then you're just spreading all that um, fertilizer around, essentially, mm-hmm. and sequestering more carbon and building your soil. Right. So, I feel like big dairies should go out of business. Mm-hmm. Ah, I, I feel oh, like you know, okay. I drove, I, I drove from L.A. to San Francisco, and I saw all those giant dairies mm-hmm. in the desert in yeah. California. It's weird, and you're just like, no, 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 that mm-hmm. should not be happening, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's I, weird. And those and that and and I feel like it's a, it's so strange because it's not only domestically but then, you know, dairy on giant scale in other mm-hmm. parts of the world mm-hmm. is depressing milk prices right. across the board. So I would be fine to see a lot of big dairies go out and go back to a time where you had smaller family farms, mm-hmm. more local processing, and everybody could make a buck doing it. And but where I don't the- know if
3: the people can think in those terms
2: well like. of course they can but <laughs> but it, it is a, a sort of media angle that needs to you know it's a nuance this it's is nuanced, more of a but, nuance but. You know, so
4: at the acs conference in july mm-hmm. i went to the seminar there was a seminar on like what's happening with milk and milk alternatives oh, yes. like soy milk mm-hmm. oat oh, milk etc and everyone's in the dairy industry. It's freaking out about like the specter of soy milk and oat milk. And right. here we are in the studio with an Oatly poster <laughs> behind us. But, I'm, you know, the, basically the thesis was the thing that took up the majority of sales from milk was bottled water. And not milk made it like up a paltry like 4%. Huh. Right. But so I feel like. I don't know. I feel like the consumer too, it's like the the meat companies have done such a good job mm-hmm. of making, or the Beyond companies have right. done such a good job of making tasty things that actually taste like meat. And we were talking about this a little before the show. Right. I have yet to taste a <laughs> vegan cheese that tastes anything like cheese. It's
2: true. It's not the same. It's not in the mm-hmm. same ballpark at all.
4: And so I feel like, I don't know, and Patrick and I, my husband and I have this conversation a lot too because he sells meat for mm-hmm. a living. And I feel like people should... Overall, eat less meat and less cheese. They should just pay more for it and, and they eat a good exactly. stuff. Right. They should eat it right. from more higher right. quality sources. You know, back in the yeah. day, people weren't having meat every day. They weren't having, right. in France, I guess you would have cheese every day. Or if you lived on a dairy mm-hmm. farm, you'd have cheese every day. But, you know, I, I feel like if you're doing it well, mm-hmm. it's going to cost a little bit more to produce it. And right. Then- I
2: think it comes down to a assumption of the food cost being skewed. Mm-hmm. Like this assumption that food should be the cheapest thing we buy and that mm-hmm. somehow it should still be good and good for the environment is...
4: It, it doesn't, the math doesn't the, the, the work The equation's out. busted, yeah. And back at, you know, in the early 1900s, I remember reading that people spent about 10% of their income <laughs> on food. And right. now people, they think they spend like 3% of their right. income on food. Right. And everything's gotten cheaper, but the, with that, the quality suffers, the yeah. environment suffers, yeah, so I think
2: your media angle, Diane, that people could comprehend would be about food quality. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. Which okay. is hard to quantify though. It is. Yeah. So it I gets messy. <laughs> well, wow. I can't believe it. Four hundred episodes. Four hundred
4: episodes. Ten Congratulations. Years.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Anne Saxelby, for founding Cutting the Curd here at the Heritage Radio Network.
4: Thank you guys for keeping the torch going.
3: <laughs> Welcome.
2: And thanks to everyone who has been a part of the show in the past, from Mm -hmm. Sophie to Greg Blaze to Emily Acosta, I mean, it's been an amazing crew who has put this show together over the last decade. Diane is having a little (coughs) bit of a coughing fit there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, listeners, we hope that you liked this week's show. Uh, Diane and Anne, thanks again so much for joining me here in the studio. Thanks, Elena. Uh, we won't have an episode next week, everyone, because we will be partying at the Heritage Radio Network's 10th Anniversary Gala on Monday, <laughs> November 11th. We'll be at the Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe at Brooklyn Botanic Garden, and you can party with us. Tickets are still available at heritageradionetwork.org slash gala, and you can use the code CUTTINGTHECURD, no spaces, for 10% off. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back In a couple of weeks, with more Cutting the Curd. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you.